Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's get to the 8 at 8. You're listening to KLT and KLT HD2, an Odyssey station. One. All right, let's start with the Texans. A couple stories for the Texans here. One injury, uh, injury report. Robert Woods is back. So that is a, um, I mean, that's where we are this season now is, uh, you know, Robert Woods being back is kind of a huge deal based, based, you know, out of respect to Robert Woods, based on Robert Woods in part, but also based on the lack of depth at wide receiver, having another veteran wide receiver who Seth, the way you put it earlier in the show, who knows where he needs to be, who gets to spots on the field. Like, so go back to weeks one and two. Robert Woods had 12 receptions in those first two games. And the thing that I like about the potential for Robert Woods now is early on he was a security blanket for C.J. Stroud. He was exactly where he needed to be. Remember how many times that C.J. would throw to Robert Woods for a first down and nothing more? Because, like, Robert, Woods, would be, Woods would be covered. Um, there'd be a guy draped over him. But C.J. would throw low to Robert Woods, like, cause it's safe. I'm treating it like a goal line play just past the sticks and you'd get a first down out of it. That was when CJ was young and still learning a lot about the NFL. I almost don't look at him as a young player anymore. I think CJ could even more now utilize Robert's like experience and his, his steadiness. Um, and just being ex- dependability is the word I'm looking yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. Um, because and, cause they can be more on the same page, make adjustments, all that stuff. So, yeah, Robert Woods, even if it's if it's like if it's six receptions for 40 yards, that's what you need out of Robert Woods. Just move the chains, solid, steady, secure, and then you know let Nico go to work. Hopefully, two. Uh, speaking of C.J. Stroud, he was named the Offensive Player of the Week. For week 18. So that's two player of the week awards for CJ Stroud. I know he's had at least one, maybe two rookies of the month. He's had, did he get a player of the month at some point? Like CJ Stroud has stacked up a ton of hardware. He's going to be the offensive rookie of the year. It'll be a huge surprise if he doesn't get that. Yeah, like a massive surprise, like a conspiracy almost if he doesn't get that. No disrespect to Puka Nakua. Um, That was the sixth player of the week award for the Houston Texans this season. That's the most they've ever had in a season. Six player of the week award, and it's and CJ only won two of them, so it's not like CJ Blake Cashman won one, Stingley won one, uh, Singletary do, and Kaimi were the other two. I do think that there's a kind of a, a buzz and a glow, and uh, maybe a little bit of a halo about the Texans right now in league circles. It's a combination of CJ Stroud, D'Amico, who's just so well liked and respected by everybody else, um, that. The Texans will probably get. I, I'm I'm pretty optimistic they're going to get a good chunk of primetime games next year. I'd s- at least it, two. Yeah, and normally I yeah I used to not care about that stuff, but you know more and more I realize like, it's just more fun. Yeah, it's more fun. You get the entire week leading up to it. 
I'll tell you, just like right now, you get so many cool stats thrown at you. Because everybody's, all these networks have the full force of their research departments and everything, bringing in different angles to the game. It's just, it's cool. And you get the, you get that feeling like you're on stage, like the spotlight is big. And it just feels, as a fan, now that's just as a fan. It's fun that it's that you're kind of the spectacle for that week in a good way. Yeah. Not spectacle in like a Jack Easterby way. Right, right, right. Not like a, hey, look at this train wreck over here. Yeah, and I would say, and we'll talk more about this in the next segment, CJ's getting, I, there's no individual player who's getting more attention than CJ Stroud heading into this wild card weekend, it looks like. I, you know, It I, feels like J.J. Watt uh, when he was young. In oh, his yeah. Year. It feels a little bit like that. There's such a buzz about him. Yes. Um. You know that uh, like this is fresh, fresh young kid that's really taking the league by storm. And when you come to town, people are intrigued by it. It's doubly interesting this week just because of the the dynamic of Ohio State fans. I think yeah. if we were going to Ohio uh, to Cleveland, it would be that much more interesting. But I'm glad they're coming here. Yep, three, um, three big coaching stories. The first one we'll start with just happened this morning, and it's it's the buzz of the football world. Bill Belichick is parting ways with the New England Patriots. 24 seasons, six Super Bowls. Adam Schefter is reporting right now on TV that the Falcons are among the teams that could have interest in Belichick. It does seem like, Seth, like as, as like as, whereas the middle of the season, Belichick felt like almost a punchline. Um, the Patriots won a couple games down the stretch. They played a little better. The defense has been good all year. It doesn't feel like he has damaged himself enough to where he's not pretty highly sought after right now. I, I think, yeah, I think the, the fact that the defense was as good as they are yeah. and that quarter, I mean, I, I just keep thinking about Andy Reid and his waning years in, New, in, in Philadelphia. It was ugly. His last year in Philadelphia, there are a lot of elements to that team that looked like, wow, Andy Reid needs a couple years off. Now, Andy Reid had also had personal tragedy, you know, leading into that to where you could think, man, this is just, he needs to take a break. I thought when he took the job at Kansas City, my personal thought was like, ah, gosh, he really, it seems like he should take a year off. Like, so I, obviously that was a I bad was Kansas City team that. he took over. Yeah. They were bad. Yeah. It will, yeah. Yeah. With, it had its own share of drama as well. Yes. Um, so I, I don't know. I think that it's just, it's it's hard to keep something going at that rate for so long, and it's almost inevitably going to end ugly, I think, mm-hmm. because you're falling from such a lofty perch. So given what I learned in the Andy Reid situation, Andy Reid was much younger when he went to Kansas City, but I, like, yeah, I think uh, there's... I'm very intrigued to see what Belichick does next. I, I wouldn't. I'm not as pessimistic about it as I would have been back when I first saw Andy Reid leave for Kansas City. Four. All right, the other ones that happen here, we'll get to the other one in the NFL, and then a huge one in college. When I say one, I'm talking about coaching changes. Pete Carroll. This kind of came out of left field yesterday, at least maybe for people outside of Seattle. Certainly for me. I mean, we talk about coaching changes and who's going to be the one out of left field in this coaching cycle. I I, I kind of thought we had our out of left field one already with Mike Vrabel, but Pete Carroll is way out of left field to me. Him no longer the head coach in Seattle. He's getting moved into an advisory role. We'll see how long that lasts. But the Seattle Seahawks now have a head coaching opening. It's an interesting one, Seth, because they made the playoffs last year with Geno Smith. They they were in the mix to make the playoffs with Geno Smith again this year. They did not. 
they're a middle-of-the-road team with a lot of good pieces, especially on offense. How good a job yeah. is the Seattle job in your mind? I think the, uh, some of it hinges on what exactly is going to happen with ownership because Paul Allen's sister is in control now. And the the word out of Seattle, I, as far as I could tell, has always been that she may sell, but it wouldn't be until 2024, which is now. Um, that's a big question mark right there. I do think in some respects, like if Bobby Slowick were to look at that, look at that team and think, okay, what do I think of Geno Smith and what's the immediate future and what's the plan for moving on from it? I got to feel really good about ownership support. And, and, and that's a, that's a huge X factor. I, if it were, I, I, I feel bad that I don't know her name, but Paul Allen's sister, Jody, seems I, think to just, I think her name yeah. is Jody. Um, like, it seems like she very much, uh, like is a supportive owner, but you just never know what, what the next step is. Five. But I do, uh, as far sorry, I didn't answer your question. I like Geno Smith as a guy. Like, all right, let's see really what what's the most we can get out of him. Yeah, we can go in and start doing a bunch of veteran type stuff immediately. Can I be better than these guys were? And if not, then can we move on? Yeah, is that like do I have your full support to move on? Geno Smith, maybe like a rich man's David Carr situation for Kubiak. Like, all right, let's see what we can squeeze. You know, we can squeeze another playoff appearance out of Geno Smith, and then if yeah. not, yeah, just flush it. Five. Five. All right, um, Nick Saban is retiring in Alabama. This one came out of left field, too. Like I, The Belichick one is the least surprising of the three that have happened in the last 24 hours. It's the one that's getting the most attention. But this Nick Saban one is huge, too. Nick Saban's in the conversation for greatest college football coach of all time. He's retiring in Alabama. He's leaving a pretty full cupboard at Alabama. They, they were a playoff team this year. Um, I'll be anxious to see who ends up taking the Alabama job. In fact, during the break, I'm going to go look up and see if there's an odds board up yet. I The funny thing about these job openings, Seth, is that you know Bill O'Brien's representation is calling about at least two of them. <laughs> you know, like, he's yeah. in the building in New England, and he was in the building in Alabama last year. Yeah, yeah. I don't think... Um, no chance. Yeah, I, I'm guessing he's not the fan favorite no. uh, to take that over. Also, like, you know, it's there is such a thing as just kind of, you know, fit. And Alex uh, like Saban is as gruff as he was and everything. Like he may as well have been from Boston or something. He's a West Virginian, you know. Like yeah. there's just still a little bit more of a natural fit there. I don't know about Bill O'Brien being a fit in the state of Alabama. No, as a head football coach. No, as a head football. You know? I, I've I've long thought that Bill O'Brien, and he was a, he did a good job at Penn State for a couple of years. I've always thought his road back to head coaching was going to be in college. Because yeah. I, I thought this is a, this is now this is a couple years ago. This is after he got fired by the Texans. This is pre NIL and pre transfer portal. I don't know how Bill O'Brien would operate real well in a transfer portal world. I think he would. I I think Bill O'Brien would be a pretty charismatic recruiter, getting guys in. Yeah. I think he's a good salesperson. Um, but I think he I think he'd have maybe record numbers of guys jumping into the I, transfer portal. You know what? I mean, much different situation. But my counterpoint would be. He did a hell of a job retaining kids at Penn State when they were all given free license to leave. He did. With no penalties whatsoever. You know, it wasn't even like a transfer portal free to leave. Like, you were free to leave with no penalties. And he, he managed to keep everybody around. Hell of a salesperson. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Like, yeah. he, none of them had played for him yet when he did that. You yeah. know, like when he was selling them I mean, and staying there. His conflict is always going to be between the, the X's and O's side, which he really, really loves, I think, and you're limited in how much of that you can do in college, yeah. especially now with the transfer portal, because you don't have three or four years to teach it to kids. They got to get it. They got to get it now. I think that might, that might be really what keeps him away more than anything else. Six. I, um, the, uh, sticking with college football and coaching in Alabama to a degree here, I guess, the Bear Bryant Award was 
handed down last night here in Houston. The winner of the Bear Bryant Award for Coach of the Year for 2023, Mike Norvell, Florida State. Undefeated season until the Sugar Bowl where they lost 63-3 to because they were playing with third stringers against a Georgia team that was trying their ass off. I wish you would quit game. making excuses for them, Sean. <laughs> for Florida State. Yeah. Well, Just I, for, the, for the, their second string JV squad to beat Georgia. Yeah. Dude. The only thing I liked about that game is it was easy money. 23 and a half or whatever it was. You're laughing at halftime of that game. Um, I'll be anxious to see how many Coach of the Year awards Mike Norvell ends up winning. If, if there are any more to be handed down, I mean, we're kind of deep into the postseason now. But this this feels like, to me, and I don't know who the other finalists were, but this has a feel to it. When you see Mike Norvell's name next to Coach of the Year, I'm like, oh, that's nice. They gave him a consolation prize for getting screwed out of a playoff spot. Yeah, yeah, it does feel like that. Yeah, if there were one committee in charge of everything. Yeah, I don't want to diminish it. He did a great job this year, and he did he did a great job getting to, to being undefeated. They, they, they lost their starting quarterback with – Two, three games to go in the season, then they still wound up going undefeated and winning the ACC championship. Um, so good on Mike Norvell. And all those coaches, every time I go to the awards, the Bear Bryant Awards, I just think about, like, man, these guys are leaving this nice event to immediately, uh, like, recruit. And they get to work on everything. There's just zero, zero rest for the weary. And now they're also, like, they're recruiting their own kids, too. Yeah. Like, hey, man, I know you're in the transfer portal, but it's, you know, it's cool. Yeah. Come on back. Yeah. Seven. Um, Aaron Rodgers no longer going to be on the Pat McAfee show as of yesterday. He, here was here was McAfee making the announcement on his show yesterday. So Aaron Rodgers Tuesday season four is uh, done. Yeah. Ah, complete. Complete season. There's going to be a lot of people that are happy with that. Myself included, to be honest. With the way <laughs> it ended, it got real loud. Mm-hmm. And uh, real loud. I'm happy that that... He's not going to be my mentions going forward, Mm -hmm. which is great news. We're a conversation show. People are having conversations. We live in a country that has freedom of speech, but also you're going to have to deal with the consequences of your freedom of speech. So what I'm saying is we've given a lot of people who've been waiting for us to fail a lot of ammo and things to attack us for over the last week. And we would love to get back to the point where we just move on and continue to silence all the haters over here who can't negotiate as good as I can. All the people over here who can't create a show as good as us, and all the people up here who just can always be here, and they're going to hustle and do their thing, which I respect. But we need to do that, and that is our focus. That is our goal. Um, I saw a lot of people. There was confusion afterwards where a lot of people were claiming that, well, this is what he always does anyway. This is stupid. This is fake news. But then, meanwhile, I'm hearing from McAfee that, like, oh, no, this was definitely a decision they made to, uh, <laughs> to, to stop his appearances. He had been slated to continue on through the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. So this was not, like, so when I saw all those people say this is what Rodgers does every year, maybe it was in the past, I don't know, but this year he was slated to, to go on through the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, at first I thought, like, wait, is McAfee just trying to make it look like he did the, the right thing and, and stopped it? But, no, it was a... Uh, it was a definite decision to step away from all of the added controversy uh, that, that comes with the Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, dude, I, I just go back to this. Like I, and I admire McAfee's goal. Look, I admire McAfee tremendously as a business person and a personality. He's been wildly successful. Like That's inarguable. Um, and I admire his wanting to do a show that's very sports-centric and fun and positive. I think that's great. I think That's what this should be for a lot of people. I think that's what people come to the store expecting is – you know, an escape from all the the stuff that, quite frankly, Aaron Rodgers brought onto the show. That's my big thing. Like, what were you expecting when you when you <laughs> well, made Aaron Rodgers a weekly guest? The whole thing about Aaron Rodgers is this: like, he's got some Ryan Braun to him. Remember when Ryan Braun accused the 
I accuse the the steroid test taker of lying or what have you or like malfeasance. The, admi- the administrator of the test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and it turns out that like, no, that wasn't the issue at all. The issue was you took steroids. You were on steroids. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, but he was accusing like some random person, like, and just adamantly accusing him of that. Like, this is what like Aaron Rodgers accused the Packers of. Uh, not reaching out to him when the Packers are like, dude, we reached out to you a bunch of times. He blames it on not having cell service at his house. He goes off to a week long darkness retreat and then is upset that the Packers decided to move on without contacting him in that situation. Uh, and then like in this instance, he basically very strongly insinuates that he thinks that, uh, that Jimmy Kimmel is on some sort of Epstein list. And then when called on it, says, hey, I never said that. Right. Why would I do something so stupid? I'm not stupid enough to do the stupid thing that I said. Like, like, people, like, like intelligent people don't buy it. And by intelligent people, I mean anybody that's got any sense of like, self-esteem yeah. or, 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 yeah. or like, uh, an understanding of the way of the world works. At that part of it, I have zero. I do not care at all. Like, I will listen to anybody. Uh, people would be alarmed at what I'll listen to in terms of like people having an argument about something yeah. with which I disagree or, right. or whatever. I'll listen to it as long as you got rational arguments. Rogers just calls names and then claims that he never called the name. It's crazy. And I, yeah, yeah. It's, and he, he was becoming a big enough part of the sports media world that it was impossible to ignore. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, the NFL has announced home teams for four of their international games this year. The Panthers will be a home team in Munich. Congratulations, Munich. You get our worst export, Carolina Panthers football. Um, and then the three London games will be hosted by the Bears, the Jaguars, and the Vikings. Why is this important if you're a Texan fan? Well, because the Texans have a road game with the Jaguars, Ooh. and they have a road game with the Vikings on the schedule this year. So we've got... The Vikings playing... Oh, they're both in London. Okay. They're both in yeah. London. That's what I'm saying. But the Texans are... go to Munich, though. Yeah. The te- well, they don't play the Panthers, but you can go to Munich if you want to. I'll go to Munich. You go to London to cover the Jaguars game, and I'll be in Munich in a beer hall. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a fun show. Um, so that's... So th- three things to look forward to, and I know we've got a playoff game on Saturday, but just real quick... Like, as a Texan fan, I'm a schedule nerd. I can't wait when the schedule comes out in May. We got a shot at a London game with the Jags. We got a shot at a London game with the Vikings. And we got a shot at a Thanksgiving Day game with the Cowboys. Next year's schedule, and we, I think we got a shot at a lot of primetime games based on all these really hard teams that we play. It makes it hard to focus on getting excited about the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. The There's London probably game. Like a, <laughs> probably like a 73% chance the Texans go to the Super Bowl, but whatever. I, I might go to London. Let's talk about How that. Can I focus on their Super Bowl chances when there's an 18% chance they could play a London game next year? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Payne and Pendergast with you. I got to believe they hate Trevor Lawrence in London. Uh, you just look at him and he just looks like a, he just looks like a gentleman or something. I, if there's anybody, if you're working class in London and you don't despise Trevor Lawrence because he's a, a fancy lad, then I don't, uh, I don't even, uh, I don't, I don't even know you. Yeah. He, he does have a face where it would swing the pendulum on how you, like how the team is doing completely swings the pendulum on how you feel about him. Like, can you not see him wearing a top hat and <laughs> just like talking down to his staff and, like to completely and totally? For sure. With a or just like some though. fancy fencing outfit or pony, something. With a ponytail, though. Not yeah, the flowing yeah, locks. Yeah. A ponytail or a man bun. Yeah. One of those two. All right, Payne and Pendergast oh, with he's you. so mean to his staff. Speaking of which, national, a national uh, host that gets a lot of run on this show, they had an argument. C.J. Stroud or Trevor Lawrence over the next five years? Where do you come out on that? We'll discuss next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, Sean Pendergast, Seth Payne with you on a, uh, on a Thursday. If you missed our interview with Roger Clemens a little bit earlier, it'll be up on the podcast. It's on the Odyssey app. You can go find a great conversation. Universally acknowledged as a uh, great conversation by folks weighing in on that, uh, following our interview with Roger a little bit earlier. Um, C.J. Stroud versus Trevor Lawrence. We just got done talking about Trevor Lawrence in the previous segment. Some, you know, maybe there's a little bit of kicking Trevor Lawrence while he's down going on, particularly with me, um, because I've I've started to really question whether they should give him that big contract, certainly this offseason, whether they give it to him or give it to him at all. Um, you lose five out of six down the stretch. You know, I don't care how banged up you are. You can't lose five of six down the stretch when you're yeah. the favorite in the division and you're eight and three to start the season. You just can't do that. That's where it, um, uh, you know, I mean, twice this year, first Nick Bosa, oh, and then a player from the Titans. I can't remember who it was. Basically, after the game said, look, we know he's a first-read quarterback, and he's just, just take him off, take away his first read, and he's going to start to panic. Um, like, that's what it looks like. And that's either – so that's either a Doug Peterson issue or a Trevor Lawrence issue. And all I know is that both those guys are going to be back there next year. I mean, like, if I were a Jags fan, I'd be nervous about that. Yeah. I'd be upset about it. I'd be a little bit alarmed by it. One of our listeners says, guys, the talk about Stroud versus Lawrence is – I think he means moot. Moot, yeah. Do you realize that Lawrence will probably be the third-best quarterback in the AFC South? Yeah, there is no Stroud versus Lawrence talk. There's not – was well, it presented as such? Well, is that, well, um, well yeah. it was teased as such by me because yesterday, oh, okay. because yesterday on the Colin Cowherd show, remember Colin Cowherd thought C.J. Stroud didn't, didn't have enough talent to overcome all the limitations of the Texans organization? He's, yeah. he's all the way down the rabbit hole now on his love for C.J. Stroud. The argument came up, Stroud or Lawrence, for the next five years. Who would you rather have the next five years? C.J. Stroud or Trevor Lawrence? And I and said, you said C.J. Stroud. Absolutely. And I, I mean. Let me throw this at you. C.J. Stroud's rookie year with a defensive coach this year is similar, if not better, than Trevor Lawrence's best season. 23 TDs, 5 picks, 101 passer rating. Best year for Lawrence, 25 touchdowns, 8 picks. 
and a 95 passer rating. Now, they both play in the same division, so you can't use that, and they both play in the same conference, so they mm. face the same defensive coordinators. So it would lead me to believe that Stroud's better. If Stroud is this good this fast, he's the better quarterback. So and and by the I, way, I know yeah. all you fanboys, I'm sure you knew he was going to be this good. Houston didn't know he was going to be this good. Nobody, Nobody thought he was going to be this good. His comp, we said it on the air, his comp was Jared Goff. <laughs> I, I don't recall that. It was. His, <laughs> when did you compare him to Jared Goff? It's the way. It's so funny. It's the way he states it. Every time. Like it's a mathematical law or something. It's, he doesn't say some people comped him to get Jared no. Goff or that like I comped <laughs> Dude, him to Jared Goff. He, it's the comp is Jared Goff. He recites it like it's his height and weight. His comp is Jared Goff. Is, <laughs> Pi is 3.14. Right. His comp was Jared Goff. <laughs> so good. Hey, the one, one of the things he said there, and I, and I, I obviously. I disagree with his. I want to agree with his. Oh, go ahead. His conclusion. I, I disagree with his argument. Yeah. yeah. Well, here, here's the, there's an element of the argument I wanted to ask you about because he brings this up all the time, Coward. And there's probably other people that feel similarly yeah. about this, especially in light of the fact that Bobby Slowick is a person of interest of many teams to be their next head coach. But Coward repeatedly brings up, he brought it up in that cut, and he brought it up a few more times in that segment. We don't have the whole segment. That that Stroud plays for a defensive head coach. Like, that's some sort of anchor that he's carrying around his neck or something like that. Yeah. That he has a defensive head coach. Do you buy that that's something that should be factored in to, like, a, the, think, the degree of difficulty of what he's doing? I think it's it it's an issue when you allow it to become an issue and it should be factored in because right it's obviously the ideal is to have an offensive minded head coach who will be that coordinator forever and ever and ever and yet uh, like obviously there's many examples of the most successful coaches and this is where like you got to if you if you start isolating it down to like okay who are the most successful head coaches over a length of time or who is even the longest tenured it's interesting that Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll lasted as long as they did in the NFL, um, have lasted until Belichick this morning in the NFL as defensive-minded head coaches. It's all a matter of just how well you manage the offensive coordinator side of things. Pete Carroll, I mean, Carroll may have been the worst at managing the offensive coordinator side of things and yet won a Super Bowl went to two Super Bowls, lasted a long, long time, and had a lot of sustained success and you know playoff-caliber football teams year in and year out as a defensive-minded head coach. I think that the, the problem is people fall in love with the idea of having the offensive coordinator head coach to the point where it skews their judgment and they start hiring guys who aren't actually good head coaches. Like They might be good offensive minds, but it's a guess. It's just going to be a guess whether he's a good head coach or not. One is, is so in the hiring process, maybe it makes the most sense to, to, to go from the pool of offensive coordinators. Cause if you do land one who's also a good head coach, then there you have it. You've got your Andy Reid situation. But once you have the coach and you feel like, okay, this actually, this guy's got actual great head coach tendencies, like D'Amico appears to be. I don't worry about it as much at all because then it's, okay, these guys have a plan. They they figure out who the best coordinator for their specific quarterback is, and, and it becomes much less of an issue. I think – Marv, Le- you know, and I'll go with also John Harbaugh and Marv Levy, two examples, guys who are special teams Special teams coaches, absolutely. And have yeah. lasted for they, – they both lasted forever because they were good head coaches. Good coaches and good CEOs, you know, good, good – able to manage an enterprise, you know. And I think people will point out, yeah, Seth, those are the exceptions. Yes, that's my point. 
Is that like if you once you once you isolate it to the coaches who last a long time, there's much less of a difference between the the offensive dudes and the defensive dudes. Yeah, like I I think what we let in here to me it's inarguable. Like the next five years, CJ Stroud. Like to me, it's not even close versus versus Trevor Lawrence right now. The defensive coach thing is interesting to me. Um, I think as we go through the 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 process of filling all these vacancies in the NFL, there's seven of them now after today. If you missed it, the Patriots and Bill Belichick. Expected to part ways after 24 seasons. That's the headline on TV in the studio here right now. I think for some of these openings, once once you, we get to the stage, Seth, in the middle of January, where guys are allowed to start interviewing face to face, January 22nd. Yeah, um, we're going to hear D'Amico Ryan's name a lot because there's going to be defensive coordinators that are in the mix, and they're going to show the D'Amico, D'Amico, and the Texans are going to be the the one that they're copycatting, and they're going to go look. D'Amico Ryan's proved. That you can turn it around quickly and and you know ha- have success as a defensive coach as a defensive coordinator. Um, I think we're gonna. I, I think there's gonna be a lot of conjecture around the Ejiro Iveros of the world, the Dan Quinns of the world, the Luana Rumos of the world. That like, hey, look, man, like yeah. the, the, if you get a, if you get a defensive coordinator that's got the right chops to be a head coach, you can make it work. And the guess bring the in the, up. It, like, if I'm an owner, the biggest thing when I hire a defensive minded head coach is. Like that might be one of the areas that I select to, if not micromanage, just really be sure. Like as part of the hiring process, I need you to have a plan for how you're going to replace the offensive coordinator. And that's going to include a pipeline of guys from within, like a Gerard Johnson or a Bill Lazor, somebody that's a Case Keenum, whoever it might be. You're going to have a pipeline from within, and you're going to have a watch list of guys outside the organization. The nice thing about the Kubiak Shanahan system is that there are a boatload of dudes out there who have similarly aligned philosophies, terminology, all of those things, experience with Kyle Shanahan, that I think it's easier to replace. I like I liken it to buying, you know, you get a, a mass production automobile versus a McLaren. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a lot easier right. to find parts for the mass production automobile than it is for the McLaren. And the, the Kubiak-Shanahan system is in is that same way with offensive coordinators. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Uh, text message, hey, I'm listening to Cleveland Browns Radio, our mortal enemy, and they're showing no concern about Stroud's ability against man defense. I, too, am also concerned after seeing his performance against the Jets cornerbacks. Go Texans. Well, I'll say this. The Browns cornerbacks are in the class of the Jets cornerbacks. They're really, really yep. good. They've got three of them that are really, really good. That's a valid concern. I, the numbers bear it out. CJ tears up zones. Against man, he's like 27th in passing efficiency. 27th? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of that may be he's got receivers who, you know, once Tank Dell goes out, you got guys who have trouble getting open. Uh, that may that may hurt. It, it, it also, you know, like I like to see those separated from blitzes as well. That's where it gets a little dicey too. Is okay if you're how are you versus man coverage versus like when you're getting pressured because it's a blitz or because your left guard is no good or whatever it might be. Uh, but yeah, that's fair. I think like yeah, CJ's been surgical versus zone and not as good versus man. The the play action is theoretically where you make your hay on that um, and where there should be opportunities. I think that. Him versus man as long as there's protection. I feel better about, um, in terms of just some of the shorter stuff and some of the out stuff, like CJ's shown more of an ability to dink and dunk down the field. And also, though, to throw, he can throw to guys who are covered. Um, and that's just, it's not nearly as efficient as the other stuff, obviously. But I think that we haven't necessarily seen him. You know, the Jets game, the Jets game, I wish, because I hate saying this, 
I really, really hate saying this, but I feel like objectively you have to wonder whether he was actually concussed from the Broncos In the Denver game. game sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, and it's, but it's, you can't depend on that. I would never like argue like it was clear and that's why he was bad versus the Jets. Um, he did not look, he did not look accurate as he typically does versus the Jets. He took that hit in which he was wobbly afterwards in the Broncos game and was not in the concussion protocol afterwards, but it, he certainly didn't look like himself. That was either a reflection of how good the Jets are um, or it was just that in, in that CJ didn't do well against it or perhaps he was still having lingering effects from concussion. Uh, the, the good defenses that he's played against this year, the best defenses were the Ravens in week one, um, where he didn't play great. It was his first game as an first NFL game, player. Yeah. Uh, you know, played against the Jaguars the next week and wasn't g- great either. Uh, the Colts, excuse me, Colts. He was against the Colts. He was a lot better. Um, it was in the second half there. He really started taking off, but it was well the Colts had a lead. So you couldn't necessarily take a lot from that. The other good defenses are the Steelers where the numbers don't look awesome, but he, he was very effective, and they just they took the Steelers to the woodshed. Yep. Um, that game, he was less than fifty percent, but he had a lot of throwaways. That was when that was when he was very much focused on. All right, I can't sacked. be getting sacked six times yep. a game. Yep. So like that game was versus a very good defense, and I felt like it was pretty good. Um, the Jaguars' defense ended up being tenth in DVOA, I think, okay. and he did well versus the Jaguars this year. So the the only true test he had was the Ravens, and it's hard to t- the Ravens and the Jets. And, and like both of those, I would say not great performances, but I can make some excuses for them. This will be this will be the biggest test for real without weather conditions being an issue yep. like it was in the Jets. So kind of a referendum, I think, on, OK, where exactly is C.J. Stroud uh, in the realm of a, a guy that can go in and, and threaten a defense like the Browns? Yep. Well put. Yeah, it's at home to those other two are on the road. So you're right. You're absolutely right. All right. Let's speaking of the Browns. Let's hear from their head coach in the next segment, Kevin Stefanski. What's he expecting? What type of Texans team is he expecting? And did it help to play the Texans just three weeks ago? We'll hear from Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Text message, Seth is cooking right now. Someone liked what you were dishing out in that last segment, Seth. What was I talking about? We were talking about Trevor Lawrence and C.J. Stroud and defensive coach. Probably the, your opinion on defensive coaches as, as head coaches. Oh, That was okay. a good take by you, I thought. Okay. I, th- I thought you were cooking as well during that. Good job cooking, oh, Seth. Yeah. yeah. I like to cook. <laughs> I've gotten. I was talking to Brandy about this last night. I think I've gotten worse at cooking. 
which I just, I, I was priding myself on grilling and everything for a while. And now I don't know if I just, I just don't put enough. To, I either got cocky or I don't put enough effort into it anymore or just whatever. I just, I'm not as good at it. I see cooking to me is like cooking is in the kitchen. Like grilling and cooking are two different yeah. things. Um, I love to grill. I, I love to grill. I suck at cooking with all the ingredients and all the measurements and everything. Eh, yeah. Just throw the meat on the grill and let's go, man. You know? Yeah, I guess I, I do both. Yeah. I guess the part of the problem is that, yeah, I think social media screws it for me because I see people doing it really, really well. So like, I think maybe my, my standards have, have raised, yet at the same time, my skills have remained stagnant. So it feels worse. I probably haven't gotten any worse, but it feels worse. Dude, you know what? It, you know what's addictive? Those, like, now they're probably TikTok videos, but they used to be on, you know, and they're probably still on Instagram and Twitter and whatnot. I see them on Facebook a lot. Like those videos that are like two minutes long where they put this whatever dish together in fast motion. They show them doing it in super fast motion, like putting together like a, like there was like a chicken parm lasagna I saw somebody make. And it was like a 90 second video. And they show exactly everything that you need. Like if you pause the video, like, all right, okay, they, they got six eggs over here. All right, okay, pause. Now hit play. Watching it just go the 90 seconds, I get hungry at all those. You know, yeah. the, you start off with an empty dish, and next thing you know, you've got some sort of concoction that's three layers of chocolate chip cookie with whipped cream in between each layer and M&Ms all over the top. And I'm like, oh, think, Amy, yeah. make this. Even make this. It's like they're, they're, those are usually meant to be a complete joke, right? But they're, uh, yeah. The ones that are like extreme, the the ones that are like it's lasagna wrapped in fried dough wrapped in. Maybe um, I don't know. Yeah. I've asked Amy there's, to make several, <laughs> and she's managed to make them. Usually, there's a lot of them that are just complete troll jobs, where it's just you take like cookie dough and yeah. wrap it around a steak, and then put no, it in no, a, not, not a sack no, of no, flour. Talking and, about okay. stuff where the goal is to make something you would serve to guests, okay, yeah, that gotcha, kind of thing. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kevin Stefanski is the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. He expects a much different Texans team than the one he saw three weeks ago. Excited about the opportunity we have in front of us uh, going down there to play a very, very good Houston team. We're also excited that we're the uh, first game. We don't have to wait an extra day, so we get to get up and go. But, you know, looking at this game, I know we recently played this team. As you know, they're different. Everybody's different each week, but C.J. Stroud's a great player. I mean, he's a great player, so we did not face him in the first one. You know, there's injuries that guys that are back on defense that they didn't have. They've signed a couple free agents on defense. So really, as, as everybody knows, you're a different team week to week and, and certainly this is a different team we're facing but I know it's a very very talented team they're very well coached I have a ton of respect for D'Amico his entire coaching staff so it's a great challenge uh, but we're really focused on on the work that's going to go into it uh, this week you pointed this out I mean the biggest thing obviously CJ Stroud gives you a better chance to score points that's very very yeah. basic but he also gives the defense for the Texans a better chance to not be back on the field after three plays each time. You know, like right, that, right, that game yeah. snowballed quickly on the Texans, and I think the offense was just as. I think the offense was just as culpable for the thirty-six points that they gave that the defense gave up as the defense was in that game. Yeah, and it was. I like. I don't think Stefanski is saying that is just false sportsmanship or anything like that, or you know, gamesmanship. It's just that's what he's telling his team to yeah. like, look, this is a completely different team. You're facing no offense. You're facing the two headed quarterback monster of Case Keenum and Davis Mills. And not to mention a, a multitude of other players who are injured on that team. This will be a different team. Even if you're like if you're looking at it objectively from outside of Cleveland or Houston, you're you're looking this you're looking at this as a much more balanced teams than it was a few weeks ago. Um now, the biggest issue is just that the Browns 
really, the two things are the Browns have a very, very good defense. Regardless good. of anything else, Like they're legitimately a really good defense. And they've done a better job of it where like the Saints obviously had a good defense. Excuse me. The Jets had a really good defense, potentially really good defense, but didn't have any help from the offense. You could say the same thing about the Browns for much of the season, mm-hmm. and they still put up great numbers. I think the Jets, like, they suffered from the lack of help on offense. They could have been a lot better with a good offense, but, like, they, they, I wasn't as convinced of the Jets as I was of the Browns. The Browns are very, very good. I, I, people keep bringing up the fact that CJ hasn't been good versus man defense, where he's been awesome versus zone. I, I, I always hesitate to read into that too deeply because you always have to remember, A, CJ has also had issues, not as a quarterback, but with the offense in general against the blitz at times um, because of pass protection issues. So when you're blitzing, you're in man other than like in his own blitz shouldn't even count as an actual blitz. Um, <clears throat> so there's that. The other is just in general, always be really, really careful about when – Stat services are trying to tell you that a, a defense is in zone or man. Like it's just one. Like there's one. Like you're either playing zone or man. It's way more blended than that. There's zone. There's there's playing zone two man and match coverage and everything else. Like so it's yes when it's obviously zone. CJ's been really good. There's other times where I think that it's zone to man or it's it's stickier coverage and and CJ's done well in those. The bigger factor by far to me is the actual pass protection and the blitz pickup. The other thing is, too, some of those stats are skewed from earlier in the season, especially when the receivers – like, CJ, CJ was better at picking up the blitz early in the season than the receivers were. And there were times where he was looking to go hot, but the hot options didn't have their heads whipped around yet. Yep. And it took time for those guys to figure it out through a combination of youth – and just being new to the system, in the case of Dalton Schultz, those guys weren't with it. They got better at it as the season went along. So I don't buy as much into that. Um, and then the other fact of the matter is just teams that are capable of playing good man versus good quarterbacks tend to play more man than the bad defenses. And like, so you're not going to do as well versus those good defenses. Here's Stefanski when asked, does it help that you played the Texans recently? It goes both ways. It really does. Uh, you know, it's unique having played them just a couple weeks ago. You know, go back to 2020, playing Pittsburgh back-to-back weeks. I mean, those are, are unique because there's not there's not much new tape coming in. There's a couple games that, that you can watch and see maybe what adjustments and uh, things that they're doing differently from that first matchup. But it, it is certainly unique, but I don't think it gives either side an advantage. It is strange for the Texans. And when you add in, too, that they played the Titans in a two-week or a three-week span or whatever it was, like the Texans will have played five games over a five-week period, two against the Titans and two against the Browns, with a Colts game sandwiched in there. You know, like it's a, yeah. it's a very strange schedule um, for the uh, for the Texans. Good text message here. We'll have CJ back, so it's tough. This is from zero seven eight zero. We'll have CJ back, so it's tough to say what to expect this time versus the Browns defense. Our defense though got embarrassed, and I have to think there's extra motivation for revenge game for certain players. Which this is an easy answer to this question coming up here. Yeah. Which defensive Texans player do you think has the most motivation and will ball out? I don't know if he's going to ball out, but if Jalen Petrie is not motivated to go out and have his best game of the season, then he may as well hang up his cleats. He got he benched was, yeah. against the Browns. He got benched against the Browns and was like, uh, like after a play in which you might wonder, okay, was was Jalen Petrie supposed to jump that route by David and Joker, or is he supposed to help out D'Angelo Ross on? <laughs> 
D'Angelo Ross, the guy who was taking his first snap of NFL action, who was covering, who was covering Amari Cooper, should perhaps he have helped out there. And then you had a coach afterwards, and Demico Ryan's, when asked about whether or not Derek Stingley should travel with Amari Cooper, say, no, you got a guy bracketed. You're supposed to bracket him. Yeah. And he didn't call out Jalen Petrie by name. Um, but Jalen Petrie didn't play much at all. If I don't know if he, t- he took any snaps after that. He, well, he uh, recovered. He, not. I, I don't know if he did defensively. He recovered an onside yeah. kick later in the game, but yeah, I don't know if so he did he, defensively. Like it was like Jalen Petrie's the guy. And in that respect, though, too, some of that might be okay. It doesn't have to be Jalen Petrie being the star. It has to be Jalen Petrie being where he's supposed to be. Solid. Yeah. Yeah. And now, by the same token, though, too, like D'Amico talked about it this week. He said, look, you could talk about injuries. But you turn on the film, and it was obvious immediately that guys weren't doing what they needed to be do, doing. And that included Jimmy Ward, who went out injured in that game, but on the first play from scrimmage, just decided to try to cover a guy laterally instead of vertically and, and, and let Amari Cooper get a 75-yard reception on the first play of the game. Yep. All right, Peyton, was that, 50, that was a 57-yarder, whatever it was. It was yeah, the, the touchdown was 59. I think the first one was 53. The first two yeah. plays of the game were a kickoff return to damn near midfield and a 53-yard play-action bomb. Like the, That game was lost in the first 90 seconds. Like that was, You could tell early on like they, just didn't, they didn't come ready to play in that game. I think they'll be ready on Saturday. I do. Um, all right, um, Payne and Pendergast with you on a, uh, on a Thursday here. Um, let's go back to Bobby Slowick. Bobby Slowick. Answered the questions yesterday. John McClain and Brandon Scott to open Sloak's press conference yesterday asked Bobby Sloak about the interest that other teams have in him as their potential head coach. And what's that like? How is that affecting preparation for the Cleveland Browns on Saturday? If it is at all, we will have that for you next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 